0: Welcome to Chevron's Lock to Stargate podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. This episode, we will be talking about Bloodlines, which is episode 12 11? huh mm-hmm. 12. Depending how you count. It was written by, well, the story on this one was by Mark Saracini, and the teleplay was by Jeff King. Directed by Mario Azapardi, whose name we've already heard multiple times and will continue to hear. It aired on the 10th of October 1997. And this episode marks the first introduction to Tony Amendola as Braytac. Melanie, you want to hit us <laughs> with the synopsis? Sure. sure. Jeff King also wrote Tin Man. Oh, fun. Oh, okay. Carry yeah. on. Synopsis is, in order to learn more about the ghouls, symbiotes, one returns to Chewlock to retrieve one. Meanwhile, Teal finds his family and tries to keep his son Riot from being implanted with a symbiote. Alright, and that is the episode. <laughs> okay, next week we'll be talking about Fire and Water. Yeah, so... This is an episode that we apparently as a group don't love, but yeah, it's not one that we hate. Like there's nothing overt Wrong about it. it that we have a problem with. It's mm-hmm. just not one of our favorites. It's just so boring. It is a little boring. It feels like it shouldn't be like it has the bones of a good story. I can't even really put my finger on why it doesn't come together for me. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing, I think, throughout the series, just in general, is I just don't like... Like, I love Teal. Don't get me wrong, but the way they do his story arc, I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't know what about it I don't like. I I can never put my finger on it when I was watching his episodes. Honestly, this episode was boring to me, and I didn't like the way they went about it.
1: But, yeah, yeah. I'm...
0: I'm the same way. I also feel like they, like, Tilk's storyline's cool. In this companion thing, Chris Judge says that he thought of Tilk and Braytak were the civil leaders of Shulak. I just feel like it all could have happened a lot faster. It takes like eight fucking seasons for them to come free. And it just seems like, not in this episode in particular, but during the course of the series, they convert a lot of people and convince a lot of people that the Goa'uld are false gods. Yeah. See, for me, I think one of the, one of the things I struggle with is that The Jafar, so insufferable. Yeah. I love Teal'c and Braytak, and pretty much every other Jaffa we meet I don't like. So I think that's one of my biggest struggles with the, I guess you would call it Teal'c oh storyline, but for me it's it's more about the Jaffa's storyline because when Teal'c has more heavy episodes that don't involve the freedom of the Jaffa, which isn't enough, I wish he had more episodes outside of just that those being designated as his episodes, but when he has other episodes that are more of a focus on him, I, I love those ones it's just I don't I don't like the see the I feel stars. like I will be in the minority as we go in so I don't I like Teal's don't get me wrong but Teal's heavy episodes are not my favorite like I like the changeling in general but like the um the firefighter AU one. Oh, okay Except, and I know Chris Judge wrote this uh, that episode, not this episode. I laugh at his acting fairly constantly. Like, and not that I don't laugh at all of them. At some point, they all. I mean, we just spent brief candle roasting RDA for his fucking <laughs> terrible acting. But there's just something like he's such a dramatic kind of actor. It just it tickles me to death. So I tend to not particularly like Chris Judge's acting choices okay. when he's in the spotlight. I like him as the like stoic character.
1: That's I'm gonna edit
0: my statement to what Chelsea said. It's not more that I like, that I just like arcings
1: overarching storyline. It's I don't like the Jeff Ross storyline, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Alright, so that being said, let's sort of jump into what happens in this episode. Maybe, yes. maybe, maybe we'll put our finger on what, what, it, what it is we don't like about it. <laughs> so it starts out with, we don't. it's not immediately recognizable as a dream sequence. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty quick, like once Teal'c is sort of, it, you, you get the feeling something's off pretty early on, but initially it's just like, you're thrown into this weird situation situation you don't know what's going on they have forehead symbols so you assume they're Jaffa or related to the Goa'uld but it's not Apophis's symbol that's on their heads and then it is like a little boy about to get a symbiote but then Teal'c is on the table and they're gonna put a symbiote in him and then he wakes up and he's shouting and he's in surgery basically and he's calling out Ryak and we find out that they had taken out the symbiote and had tried to give him a drug or something to to help Mm -hmm. and it did not work work. So, and Jack looks so sad and disappointed about it. I love Jack and Teal. I feel like um, Jack is sad and disappointed about it is like the theme of Jack this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I think it's interesting that this is pretty early on. I mean, halfway through season one, and they were working on a way to free Teal from his symbiote. Mm -hmm. And then we never hear about it again until the Tritonin pops up in like Mm -hmm. season six. I was going to say, It takes a long time for drugs to be manufactured and tested and stuff. So I would give it like, and maybe it did take that long. Oh, yeah. I would just like, so (laughs) apparently in the, you know, whatever, eight months maybe that Teal has been there, they have already developed something they want to try. Yeah. You'd think they would occasionally be like, yeah, we really still can't pin it down, which (laughs) would, of course, like, you're absolutely right. That would make perfect sense. It's not like it's easy to replace someone's immune system with a drug. If we knew how to do that, there would be a lot less sick people. But I wonder if they ever tried to do like, you know, stem cell transplant and uh, that kind of thing to like replenish your like white blood cell count or yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, that won't replace your immune system. But it certainly wouldn't hurt. Or like IG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there are certainly other things they could try. Presumably, maybe other times when he is without his symbiote or is sick oh. for other reasons, we can assume that maybe that's what they're doing. Is yes. The, some of those treatments that you give to immunocompromised or deficient people. Um. Um, I also just want to say, I think it's really gross every time they do a close-up on the fucking symbiote. It's <laughs> oh. so gross it happened a lot this episode too like so many times and I know it's like a cheesy like physical effect like it's obviously like this like puppet thing it's not real but it's like covered in slime it's coming out of a human body and it's fucking disgusting it's so gross so gross (laughs) so gross (laughs) i also just love everyone else's reactions (laughs) all the time because they're all just like yeah my my favorite person to watch like in any way is jack but jack's whatever the symbiote gets brought up he just kind of like becomes very fascinated with with whatever is to his left like (laughs) like in like the final scene he becomes very interested in a tree that's just hanging around he's just like looking away like hmm Oh, hey, it's got bark on it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very relatable how everyone else seems to think that they are super gross. Because they are. Mm-hmm. So after teal comes out of whatever surgery he's been in or whatever... Daniel asks him what Ryak means because he was shouting that. And Teok blows him off. Not very convincingly, might mm-hmm. I add. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. It means nothing like he couldn't just say, oh, you know, it's just a swear <laughs> of the Jafar or something. Then he's something like, it means nothing. Yeah, he literally yeah. says it means nothing. Very convincing. Yeah. Yep. So then we get the titles and come back to the briefing room where we're going over basically what happened. So we sort of already talked about this is that Janet says that as soon as they took Junior out, his organs started to shut down. And Hammond's response is, well, I guess Langley won't get a Wolf to study, which also leads us to believe that they don't maybe care that much about freeing Teal'c so much as they want access to his symbiote. I guess, you know, mutually beneficial. Both parties would yep. benefit if they could figure out how to remove his dependence. Uh, so Teal'c suggests they go to Chulak to get a symbiote and is shut down pretty hard on that by everyone like even jack is like yeah no that's a terrible idea Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we all almost died the last time we were on Chulak. They don't like us. They don't like you. That's a bad idea. When were they last on Chulock? Children of the Gods? Yeah, when they escaped Chulock. When oh. they escaped. That big fighting scene that went on for like 10,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I, I also love the bit. So they finish that briefing room scene and they all say why they shouldn't go back. And he's like, then I will never speak of a bitch again." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's being super dramatic, guys. He's so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. And he like storms out. Not. I mean, he storms out for real. Like he just gets up very stoically and like walks out of the room. Right. Right. And and Jack and everyone was like, "What? What the hell is going and on?" And Hammond's there? like, uh, "Dismissed." <laughs> yeah, and I love that Jack is the one who like takes the lead, like not just because he's he says I'll go find out what was wrong, not because not just because he's the CEO, but also because he's Tilk's friend, and uh, something is obviously wrong. Yeah, yep, for sure. And so Jack goes to check on him, and we get a very dramatic shot of Tilk through a candle mm-hmm. that I thought was. <laughs> Funny. I realized, and I tried looking it up, but I couldn't find the answer. So they don't call it Kelnarim in this episode. So when do we first call it Kelnarim? Do you have anyone on top of your head? I don't okay we'll just keep an eye out for it but I realize that's what he was doing but then he never like explained that's what he was doing so basically Jack just walks into a room and Tilk's just chilling in a room full of candles like we have no context for it as an audience member well I thought he talked about killing the room at some point I don't think so I feel like he's talked about it before but I feel like he's talked about it
1: before previously hmm Mm.
0: if any of you listening know when we first understand or they mention what it's called or maybe they do mention it in the Knox. All right, so I pulled a clip from that scene with Tealc and Jack.
1: I am concerned for the life of my son. Your son? His name is Ryak. I have not spoken of him or of my wife. You left a family. Teok, Teal- you told the ge- No, you swore to the general you had no ties back there. Why didn't you tell us the truth? A warrior becomes vulnerable if his family is held hostage to the enemy. You didn't think we'd trust you if we knew.
0: Uh, they both have got great points. They do. No, it, like, it's kind of interesting, because Teok Teal- really ne- is never that forthcoming with with anything he sort of gives information as it's needed and like it makes sense like if he told them that he had family there that could be held against him that it probably would have made it harder for him to fit into the team but it was like he had to know it would come up eventually right like Because there's, you really can, even just hearing it, it's even more obvious when you're watching that scene. The emotions that Jack goes through, because his first response is actually like, oh my gosh, you left a family behind. Like, he's not initially mad, he feels for Teal'c at first. How much of a sacrifice it was that Teal'c made in that moment for him and his team. And, And I think RDA does such a good job of giving, like, letting that be the first thing that he feels before kind of slipping into crap you this isn't good Mm -hmm. because you lie like at the end of the day like especially as jack and sg1 starts to value more and more as their team is bonding like trust and openness and like that upfrontness. it's like that's a big like you hid that you kept that i mean with good reason Mm -hmm. but at some point like like you said this has been now eight months something like that and how has it how have you not been like hey these people can trust Maybe I can mention it. Yeah. in fasting. Well, my question is, who is he? So, I mean, Apocalypse knows he's a family. But if we're hiding it from the S.C., I mean, it's not like Hammond's going to go send people to go in there to go take Ryak and... Well, Hammond him. might not, but Kenzie might, or like... Someone as but that not... but, but that's only if they let I mean if he tells Hammond it doesn't necessarily mean Hammond's going to tell somebody else I'm sure that Hammond's withheld information. I think before. it's I think the concern is that if he says I have a family on Chulak their concern would be oh crap Apophis is going to hold them hostage and that's going to compromise the unit. It's like the same reason allegedly, that two members on the same SG-1 team may not enter into a romantic relationship, because if one of them got into a life-threatening situation, it may compromise the unit. Chelsea, It's, it it's that? like that. Chelsea, how does this happen every time? Every, every damn time. It? I do what I can. You're really good <laughs> at it. You know, if we're not even to like good sandwiches, I I to to. I'm just preparing us all for that journey. I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. Our listeners will not be surprised when we get there. Uh-huh. So yeah, so we've got a family and that kind of immediately changes everyone's opinions on this Chulak mission because the next Oh my week... gosh, I love it so much. Well, <laughs> um, so, great evidence. I, I was just going to say, so then Teok tells him that Ryak, his son, is about to get his oh, yeah. symbiote. Um, in a prim, prim, primitive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so our next is another breathing mission scene. Uh, and suddenly, as she won things, the going to lock is prime military <laughs> tactic <laughs> number one. Very important that we do this right now. <laughs> can, we can go and get a, a symbiote. Yeah, yeah, let's do fine. it. Let's yeah, out. we'll just, we got it. To be in the same place for Ryak and his web. Like, I mean, I love it so much, you guys. <laughs> And Hammond smells the bullshit from the <laughs> He, from he the is not it. having it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, they also pitched that, so because Teal'c mentioned Braytac, so Jack is like, maybe we can get some more Jaffa allies. <laughs> and Hammond is like, how many? And he's like,
1: what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel's like, and where there's one, there's probably more than one. <laughs> yeah. So it's very much like, um, like when my sister and I used to go to my mom and like butter her up and like give her like, the, the, the doe eyes and mom you look, you look great today. And like some of <laughs> that idea you had earlier, you're totally right. Um, we were wrong and we were thinking if you wanted to, you could let us go outside and play, uh, if, if you wanted to. And, our mom, <laughs> and mom would just be like, what are you up to? Something is not right. This is very much a parent looking at their children and being like, mm, you're all up to something. Right, and I have to tell you guys that as a parent, it's so funny to think back as a kid when I thought I was fooling my parents, because like, so totally no, kids are the worst liars. (laughs) They're terrible liars, and and, like, how much I let my kids get away with, like, the number of times I've known that my daughter's light is on, and she's still reading at night, and I'm like, whatever, she can keep reading. (laughs) There are worse things she could be doing. Yep. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, but Hammond, I love it. He's just like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> and he does that whole like like nod and look around the table thing and then he like kinda of sets his eyes on Jack and he's Colonel, yeah, I see you in my office for a moment. <laughs> he for sure calls Jack to the principal's office. For sure. And yeah. the rest of the team looks all sheepish. Yes. Yeah, And then that brings us to a scene that I have to ask you guys about. So Jack and Hammond are having their back and forth in his office. And at one point when it's getting kind of heated, they look through the glass and Sam like (laughs) looks away. (laughs) But Daniel doesn't. He just keeps looking. Sam's trying to get on every re- read on the situation, and then Jack looks, and she's like,
1: oh, wait, I can't go back to
0: work. Daniel doesn't have good, like, tactical awareness, because, like, later in the episode, like, Sam, like, instructs him on, like, keep your head down and, like, all that stuff. So I think Sam was just, like, very focused on what's in front of him, and so. Well, I think Daniel just, Daniel doesn't really hide behind a lot of the same thing propriety that other people do like he's like i'm you know i'm watching you know i'm trying to figure out what you're saying why would i pretend like i'm not watching like
1: mm-hmm.
0: we can see you we can why does he have a glass can, wall, by that's the way. my next question why the I hell does know. the general yeah. of a top secret base have a glass so cool. window but yeah it doesn't make like it, it, it's a glass window that has. I'm not quite sure what it's used but I've
1: seen them use it before in an episode.
0: I mean, it's very cool, but there's top secret shit in that office. Maybe he should have some privacy. But I mean, the whole the whole mountains top secret. I'm sure you have to have a certain security like level awareness to be able to get all the way down there, anyway. Right, but I, there's I, times where he's he, like on the phone with the much. president in there, getting like super duper top secret orders. You you just it, Bulletproof glass. Yeah, there you go. I hope it's bulletproof and maybe soundproof. And, and soundproof. And if there's a button under his desk and it like darkens the glass. So if he needs privacy. Or drops like a metal shield. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, we can go with that. <laughs> all accepted. Also, I take real umbrage as a fellow Texan. And Melanie, maybe you don't feel the same way. At Hammond's bastardization of it's not my first rodeo, as it's not my first barbecue. <laughs> that
1: is not a
0: phrase that we use in Texas. He
1: said we, that <laughs> He said that and I paused it and I read it. And I was like, Do you really that's the barbecue?
0: <laughs> that is not the phrase that we say. I think everyone, like everyone else, we say it's not our first rodeo. There could have been so many other <laughs> words thrown there except for it's our, barbecue. Not our first barbecue. All right, oh, no. so yeah, so Jack spills the beans. He tells them why they really want to go, and of course, because it's him, and he's like, "Oh, okay, you guys can go." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, he, no, he did. No, he says no. He says no to Jack. He says no. He only says yes later when Tilk is. Oh, right. To- Sorry.
1: Yeah, and then, and then and then all of a sudden... The well, because it's right opens. then, right?
0: Then the, yeah, the alarms start yeah, going. the
1: alarm will and they all go down, the, uh, go down the gate. No. Like it's, it's in the, the control car. room. Yeah, control gate. room. They go to the control room. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, Teal and, is in uh, the control uh, yeah. room trying to dial out. I also enjoyed that apparently, like, every, I guess it's not that hard, but, like, it's not like the keyboard has the symbols. Okay, so if Matt like, does, the keyboard yeah it's like a dhd i thought it had the symbol on it i thought they were just like coding shit to like mimic the symbols. well no i think they have like special keyboards that have like our actual keyboards but then like they have like other symbols oh shit i I need to pay more attention (laughs) i think don't quote me on that. I could be completely wrong. Because my only point was going to be, I just find it interesting that apparently everyone can just dial out fairly easily because Teal'c in there unattended and is just about to dial up the gate. So it can't be that hard to operate the operating system. Uh, I mean, presumably or, he's watched like it happen train? multiple times, though. Yeah. So Hammond still doesn't want to let him leave and Teal'c is insistent on, like, I'm just endangering my life. I, I'm not going to make anyone else go with me. And it just makes me laugh. This scene makes me laugh because... So Teal just decides he's going to go. And honestly, if he's not a prisoner there or whatever, I think he could just say, okay, I want to go home. And I'm going to go home. But to Hammond's point, you are essentially not an enemy soldier, but you're going into enemy territory with a lot of knowledge. I think if Teal wanted to go anywhere else but Shulock, He could go somewhere because, because the prophet knows that Tilk is gonna go back for his family. So like, I would assume that his family has has somebody kind of watching them maybe or something and just waiting for Tilk to come back. How much does Tilk know that would be super valuable? To Apophis. So, like, we, they could change his GDO really easily. We can't defend ourselves if they want to do an all an aerial attack. I mean... Force,
1: forces, weapons.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't... But we don't know how much of that Teal Knows. He's been out of the mountain, like, once. I don't know.
1: From, like, a military
0: standpoint, is he knows that we don't have the weapons to defend ourselves, basically. Right. Yeah, I'm um, sure. But I guess... I guess the answer is it's enough that Hammond's got a concern. I, I, think, his, I think his concerns are fair. But um, also, I wrote down, everyone's fucking self-sacrificing idiots on this team. All of the tilt. I'm not asking anyone else to go alone. I'll go alone. I'll risk it. God damn. Everyone just take a chill pill. Uh, they don't want to endanger their team. That's very admirable, but they're all going to die like that. So so this scene troubles me, though, because then Hammond is like, okay, then we'll go. And I'm like, dude, that's such a dangerous precedent to set. So like the next time that someone wants to go on a mission, they just need to go hijack the control room and be like, I'm going. It <laughs> yeah. a lot. It happens quite a few times. Uh, yeah. And so, but, so Hammond is like, okay, when is this happening? When do we need to get there? And Duke is like, within the day. It's like, dude, you couldn't have started bringing this to people's attention before the day it was happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe he forgot. This is why he had the dream. (laughs) And it was the magic dream that reminded him therefore he had to go right then. We've all been there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's within the day. So they're throwing this operation together real quick. And the next scene is SG-1 dressed in these, like, Jaffa priest robes. Where the hell did they get, like legit Jaffa costumes oh. within a couple hours. I think I might have an answer for this. Yes! So you know how at the end of Children of the Gods, they brought back a lot of, like, essentially refugees from Shulak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's nothing to say that they didn't also take along with them a couple of priests. Maybe they picked up some costumes or maybe Tilk is, like, secretly a fashion designer and described them very well to some poor seamstress who was just hired for the SGC and they recreated the costumes. I like to think that there is an incredibly talented and speedy seamstress somewhere in the depths of SG the SGC who'd like they're constantly coming to her like quick we need this. She's or like got it, one they, hour. They issued a, a challenge to Project Runway <laughs> and they said this is your challenge to recreate a priest like room <laughs> that could be found off-world, and designers make it work, and then that's what happened. I have no idea what's happening. You ever seen Patrick Runaway? No. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, yes. Oh, as uh, they're as as they're going up the gate, though, I like that. So Sam reminds Daniel to take off his glasses as they're going up the gate, and but Jack was still wearing his hat, and then but he took his hat off before they went through. And then when we get back onto Chulak, isn't Dan wearing our glasses again? No. Not not no, when they first get through. So he took them off and he didn't put them back on until later. Yep. So they go through basically with Teal'c as like Jaffa warrior and then the three of them on their priest outfits. And they get there and there's like a priest and a couple of Jaffa. And the guy's like, and he's like, I'm supposed to take these people and the priest is like why aren't you showing your face and he says that my helmet got messed up in battle in combat and so there's like this standoff with with teal where the guy like goes to touch his helmet and teal grabs him and yells at him and chastises him but then he kind of is like i will tell apophis of your diligence and and the but the priest looks pissed like he lets him Mm -hmm. go but he is irked, and there's like a close up of like his like angry lip face that he makes as they walk away. But I would almost like that like prompts me then to like, he's like, what's the hierarchy on TruLock? So like, obviously the Jaffa are ranked very highly because they house the Goa'uld within them. But the priests are obviously also like they are caretakers and tenders of the symbiotes. They also are clearly very devout and are true quote-unquote true believers so it's just interesting and then you have like these non-jaffa like it's just the people of chulak so it just kind of makes me wonder like what the hierarchy is on this planet which would have been a really cool thing to explore in this episode yeah and we didn't get that nope we didn't but our team does make it through the initial obstacle and then I don't understand why they change out of me. their costumes. No, me neither. I have it in like big bold letters. Like, why did you do that? Yeah. Why? Does anyone have an answer to this question? Like, why wouldn't you stay in your in your costume. disguises? I don't understand. You can still have your weapons and shit under your costume. It makes no sense to me. No, I genuinely do not understand. Like, like SG One is gonna fit in anywhere on this planet. No. Like, go to deal town. <laughs> And it's been burned the fuck down. I know I just ragged on Christopher Judge for his acting, but he actually does a really good job here, I think, kind of acting his grief and shock and all these things, um, at the site of his burned house. And then he sees this symbol painted on the side of his house, which I have questions about, uh, logistically. And it's the sign of, uh, the shulva. Shulva. He's a traitor. Shulva. What do you, what do you have questions about logistically? Oh, because it spans the entire height of the house, and I'm just envisioning Jaffa yeah. on ladders. No, I know, but the effort that it took to paint it that big and that wide, it's a fun visual. Yeah, they, they were pissed. They, they were got really out the pissed. ladders. They have to show, you know, they have to make an example, mm-hmm. and they did, with ladders and paint cans and... There was a whole... stencil of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Teal's breakdown here is very heartbreaking. It yeah. It really is. And then Carter is so sweet. She's like, maybe they weren't home. Mm-hmm. And... And Jack's like... Carter's right. There's no evidence. Like always, look on the bright side of life. Yeah, and so Teal kind of loses his shit. He's stomping through the house, kicking things over. I mean, presumably, maybe looking for if there are bodies. And then Braytak shows up, and there's like a tense moment. And then Teal steps out, and and they, he and Braytak embrace. And Braytak tells him that they're alive. That yeah, that Dreak and Ryak got out before had left before it was burned down and bray says that he thought he might come for the prim talk Mm -hmm. and so then we get the classic
1: introductions i love this theme. they are friends colonel o'neill captain carter daniel jackson warriors of great skill and cunning oh that's
0: I I actually have, like, the next clip, too, but I cut it there so that we could talk about Teal first introducing his team as warriors of great skill and cunning. And how flattered Sam is. And Sam's awkward. They're like, "Oh, Teal'c. you just have It's so adorable. Yeah, and I love that Teal'c respects SG-1 and of course, like, for him to introduce them as warriors is basically the biggest compliment that he can give them. And Teal'c obviously knows the team fairly well at this point and sees them as well-rounded people, but for him to say they're warriors of great skill and cunning to this other Jaffa is it's it's the nicest thing you could say. So, I also like that Sam and Jack get introduced by their um, military ranks, but Daniel is just Daniel Jackson, but doesn't acknowledge that he's a doctor. like it's- this is Colonel O'Neill. This is Captain Carter. This is Daniel Jackson. Yeah. Well, I mean, presumably, like Doctor wouldn't translate. Certainly. Yeah. I don't know if the mil- our military rankings would either. Probably it means anything. I thought I thought it was interesting. So then we get Braytak's reaction to T'ok's new team.
1: My first teacher, Braytak, the greatest Jaffa master I have ever known. It's an honor to meet you. sir. You. <laughs> no. You were among the warriors who defeated the palace guard at Chulak? A human woman?
0: Hey, I have you know I kicked my and You,
1: a warrior of great skill and cunning? Mm, I could snap you like kindling. How could you bring these Hashak with you? Hey, hey, hey. Who are you calling a Hassock? What's a Hassock? <laughs>
0: I broke up this scene like into multiple parts, but I kind of yeah. wanted all of it. But yeah, so then it's hard for me to get a read on how serious Braytec is with these accusations because it's so over the top. The way he like grabs Daniel and acts like he's gonna bite him, <laughs> like I, I I think I saw it more as like kind of like when you like your dad like roughhouses with you a little bit. Like he doesn't really mean it, but he's like I don't know. I don't. I didn't take it too seriously. It felt to me like he was kind of goading them because he wanted yeah. he wanted to test them a little bit which is obviously then kind of the outcome of the scene is then we get Jack standing up for them basically. And that Sam was so outraged like there she was two seconds ago still complimenting her for her great cunning and skill and then Braytac's like you, a human woman, hey I'll have you know Yeah, <laughs> I love that she was ready to stand up for herself too like uh-uh. I really wanted her to like offer to arm wrestle <laughs> Like, <laughs> You wanna you want go? Let's go She all arm wrestles with Jack I yes. don't know, that's the euphemism. Yeah, exactly. Alright, so then here's the conclusion of this little meeting.
1: You challenge me, Hashak! Uh no, I don't think we came to fight you. Lache. We're here on a mission. If you don't want to be a part of it, just say so. <laughs> You choose your friends well, Tilk. (laughs) Though, were I a hundred years younger, it might not have been quite so easy. You're over a hundred years old? (laughs) God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Ah! A hundred and thirty-three must work out.
0: It's so great. And, you know, Jack has special appreciation for being 100 or more after a brief <laughs> handle. That's true. Uh, yeah, so Jack takes down Braytac and I, I love it. I love anytime time we get to see Jack being a competent soldier because, you know, he didn't get this position just by chance. With good looks. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Just for um, posterity sake, I have Jack looks so fucking good, booze all and underline. And then I have Jack kicks ass with about five hearts next to it. <laughs> and, then, and then he apologizes, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. I love this man. Sounds about right. It was a good Jack scene for Jessica. It was. It's a great scene. Then Jack splits up the team. He sends Daniel and Carter back to the gate. Uh, ostensibly to cover their escape, mm-hmm. and he and Teok are going to go with Braytack and try and inter- interrupt the Primta. And yeah. Carter begrudgingly is like, Yes, sir, okay. And Daniel's mm-hmm. like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Just a minute ago, we were warriors of great skill and cunning. Uh, Yeah, Sam didn't look too happy about being sidelined. Oh, Sam didn't look too happy about being sidelined. Sam was not pleased, but she was going to follow her orders. Jack tells them to wait 24 hours. And if they're not back by then, then they probably won't be back. And Sam is like, okay, we'll see you, sir. Like, basically saying, yeah, I'm not leaving without you. That's
1: adorable. We'll be there.
0: Yeah. And so she and Daniel go off. And then Braytac and Teal'c and Jack start figuring out where they need to go. where. is so Braytak knew that they weren't there, that they were living in one of the outlying villages. I said, they're not even villages. I don't know what he, remember what he calls them. It's like an encampment or something. Yeah. So both Teal'c and Braytak agree that she probably would have gone to the one to the south. I don't even remember why, what they were talking about with the bridge when they were talking about if they're not there, if we're not there in time. Oh, it may be. So basically, Teal'c is like, well, if you knew I was coming for his Primta, maybe Apophis did and there will be people there. And Bratac is like, well, they don't know you as well as I do. And then we get this exchange
1: well we'll just have to cross that bridge when we come to it no the bridge is too well guarded no actually there I was using a cliche that
0: <laughs> I just think Braytak and Drax would get along so well oh yeah <laughs> I love Nothing it I would catch it I would catch it <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> for yeah, sure actually Jack and Bray-tack's, uh banter and, like, interactions this whole episode is one of the, like, few highlights I have where it was genuinely enjoyable and very have it laugh out loud. And it was nice seeing Jack, even though he's in charge, like, there was, like, a, a more senior person on, on scene. He was not in charge. Braytech was no. for sure in charge. <laughs> yeah. Jack keeps trying to assert his authority, and Braytech is like, ah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then But then there's, like, this scene. It cuts to them. And Bratac says, Teal'c tells me that Earth or your planet is without gods. And I'm like, when did Teal like, how long did we cut away from them that, when did Teal tell you <laughs> that they're without maybe, gods? Maybe Teal has been, like, sneaking letters like carrier <laughs> pigeons for the start date <laughs> to it, it just kind of made me laugh. It was a weird way to phrase it, like, maybe they've been marked walking for a while, and Teal and mm-hmm. Bratac were talking first, and now we're just cutting back to that conversation, but having gone from just seeing them to then them again, there was nothing in between it to him being like, well, Teal tells me that you don't have any gods. Let's talk about that. Let's discuss. Also, I remember like the first time I watched this and like kind of like my guard going up, not because like I am personally particularly religious, but I always get kind of like antsy whenever religion gets brought up in like uh, a prime entertainment kind of setting. So it's always like, "Mm, what's about to happen? I don't want to look. Yeah. It actually got handled all right. Like, yeah, it it was it was nice seeing Jack trying to explain religion. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I mean, we have gods and people kind of have different ones, but uh, and then he says that, and I pulled this clip too.
1: Then you serve no one. I serve the SGC under a General Hammond. So this Hammond is uh, just a man, very good, very bald man from Texas. Of all, the,
0: of all the adjectives to explain Hammond, those are what you went with. Bald. Although, bald, a Texas is its own adjective, I suppose. But he said very good first. He did. Uh, I, I just love that. Well, and I love that, like, first of all, that Jack identifies himself as serving under Hammond. Like, he didn't say, I serve the U.S. Air Force or the United States or whatever. He said, I serve under General Hammond. Hmm. Which I think is very true to kind of what we've seen of Jack, that he's much more loyal to Hammond than anything, any other concept, really. I mean, obviously, I think his first feeling of duty is to like his team and to people in general. Like he's, he's a good man and he, he wants to protect people, but he, his loyalty is definitely not specifically to the US military. So yeah, so then we cut back to, Sam and Daniel and Sam has this kind of sweet moment of being like a poor Teal, like what he must have been going through this whole time, having a family that he left behind and not talking about it. And then they stop, she stops them and puts them down because she hears something and there's like a parade of priests and scantily clad women carrying something that they don't recognize. And then there's like a bell chiming and they're like. A church bell? What's this? Okay, before we move on, the church, the bell goes off, and Sam goes, what was that? And Dale goes, a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Yes, we know it was a bell. <laughs> again just we're hitting the audience in the face I know I know But exactly. I told be like yeah thank you so I thought this was interesting and I was gonna, I decided to give you guys a hard time because so they hear about like they don't have Sam's instructions are to go to the gate and basically maintain their make sure that they can get out and yet she's like let's go we're just gonna follow them which again I love but if it had been Daniel's idea I feel like you guys would have been pissed. <laughs> Down, I find it interesting when Sam decides to and not to follow rules or like orders and all of them disobey to a certain degree. The only time that I personally get grumpy at Daniel for doing it is when it results in potentially like life-harming situations. This one not so much so I don't mind but there are definitely moments when Sam in particular decides that rules maybe are okay to be broken. So a few thoughts about that is that so first of all Sam is a captain and he didn't so jack didn't give her i mean he told her what her overall responsibilities were and when they kind of needed to be completed but one of the things that is true to officers specifically uh in the United States military is that they are given a fair amount of leeway in executing their orders. And basically, you're frequently encouraged to, hey, if a target of opportunity presents itself, you should take that chance. And so you could even say that's not even that she's ignoring his orders or breaking the rules here. This is like priests. There's no Jaffa. None of them are armed. It's kind of a prime target of opportunity for them to investigate further, especially because they did come here vaguely under the pretense of we're supposed to get another Goa'uld. She's just like in
1: delaying world. completing the order. Yeah,
0: she's taking a detour. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. the so, side quest. Yeah. A side so I don't know, like, in terms of how that would play out, I don't know exactly what those kind of instructions look like. But I do know that in general, like, you're not going to get chewed out in the military if you were on your way to completing a mission and you something else popped up that was like, oh, hey, this is something that could be important for us, especially if you're successful. I mean, that's always you're not going to get yelled at for being successful in general. But so I wouldn't consider this like direct insubordination by Sam, but oh, no. I do think she was kind of pissed about getting relegated to the sidelines a little bit. And it made her more likely to be like, yeah, let's go investigate. <laughs> I'll go find my own quest. <laughs> yeah. So uh the Teal'c and Jack, I had it written down as in shorthand, TBJ. So Teal'c, Britek, and Jack, they arrive at the little village and everyone freaks. I would assume that they don't like seeing Jaffa there. It's not a good sign mm-hmm. for these outcasts of, Society and on chulak and so they're there, and everyone starts screaming, and Teok just goes like sprinting down there with no word or explanation. And I mean, it's, it's, we're assuming I think because he saw the tent where the primta was happening, so he runs over there. He bursts into the tent. The priest is like about ready to perform the ceremony. Teal'c engages him and things go real badly. He's he's struggling with the priest and then we don't know who it is or like her head is covered, but Dreyok comes in and jumps on Teal'c. There's this mad struggle. The priest falls on his knife. The symbiote thing gets knocked over and the symbiote dies. And then we reveal that it's Dreyok and she's really upset. Fine. And it's, it's she's a little pissed. She's pissed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Rightly so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that she shouldn't be. I just, she's pissed. Oh, no, no. I'm just like, I, I was on the fence. Basically, I have one big giant yikes on this page. (laughs) And it's, it's just Teal, Dreok, Ryak. Yikes. Oi! It's a rough exchange. And they're actually sort of consistent with this dynamic a little bit in, in universe. So Dreok slaps, sort of slaps Teal. Or like, yeah. Hits him. And then they're. But I think the slap was kind of justified because oh, yeah. like Teal'c says something kind of intensive. I think I don't know. I, I write it down exactly. I think Teal'c says something about how like you would let our son be enslaved or something like that. Yeah. And and she slaps him and they have this exchange and he like grabs her and yells yeah. at her and calls her woman and I'm like. He like pulls her hair. Yeah. It was a yikes
1: moment. It was my yikes. I was just like,
0: ooh, I don't like this. No, I do not like it. I don't like it. Nope. Nope. I just can't imagine in any scenario if I was with my partner. And we we're arguing and I was bending over something like our son and he pulled my hair back so he could continue. Bitch, that's domestic abuse. Bye. I'm out of here. That's a prelude to something else. Something going very wrong. I'm out. Yeah. No, it yeah. is, it is it's not insane. great. It's not. And it just like, I understand that, I understand that it's a alien culture that we're dealing with, but even just based on what we've seen of Teok, it doesn't really fit. With what we know of it, him. It doesn't track.
1: Maybe that's why we don't like it.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Oh, it is definitely, like, the biggest thing in the episode where I was like, I mean, it's kind of the only moment where, like, cringy. I, I did not yeah. enjoy it. But I will say, like you were saying, that their relationship is not good throughout them the entire, like, I think she only pops up in one or two more episodes. It's, but just, it's just one more. One episode, more, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's not good then either. Mm-hmm. It's not. But we'll get there. I know. I yeah. just... Tilk's a really good warrior and a super shitty, like lover, husband. I mean, I mean, no offense. He did just kinda leave his family just um, Totally. So, I mean, I'm not gonna say he's like a super great No family man. Especially when we just kinda like not crucified Ernest Wibblefield for doing the same thing, but that was like a big sticking point for the friction between Catherine and Ernest was just this decision to leave without talking about it. This was like a decision to shame your whole family basically mm-hmm. cause them to fall into an outcast situation and then leave without saying anything yeah. their house has been burned down it's not good it, i mean i get his reasoning for oh, leaving we watched it. It. reasoning, yeah but i just i don't know you just can't do that to okay. your family there's a way you can like join the revolution but also like tell your wife you're doing so or he could have told the S, like, once he got the the feel for the character of SG1, been like, hey, in order to come with you guys, I had to leave my family behind. Let's go get them. Right. And we can get to it later in the episode. I don't understand why they didn't bring his family back with them at this point. Yeah. But also, Dreak says this line, and it really stuck with me. But she is while she's yelling at Tilt because Tilk is upset that uh, Dreak was pushing for the Primta for. Riak, uh-huh. and she was basically saying like you have no idea what i've had to endure mm-hmm. because of you and like just the way it was delivered to me it rang very like not my brain leapt to like sexual assault like or like in situations where she had to maybe put herself in like compromising positions like i don't know what it was about the delivery there's literally no other evidence for it in context other than my gut feeling of how she delivered it mm mm-hmm. And that's, like, where my brain went. No, I my brain went there, too, especially because then there was also the you do not know what i had to do to get them mm-hmm. to agree to mm-hmm. do the prim ta- And that, I was like, oh, yeah. That definitely mm-hmm. smacks of sexual favors. I mean, the Teal-Dreyok relationship isn't great, but I have a lot of respect for Dreyok because, man, that had to have been a rough thing that she's been going through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, we never really get, like, Dreyok's take on the whole, like, false god thing or not like it's like it's almost like irrelevant it doesn't really matter if J.A.C. believes or doesn't believe it's not about that it's about what's doing best for her son yes. and her son is dying and she's gonna do and in her eyes her son is dying because Tilk has put them in this position and now she has to get them out but Tilk all he can see is the big picture and the entirety
1: of the people of Tulak
0: yep I pulled the very end of that
1: scene you have me tell him that a father left his son for people he does not know who are not his blood you tell him that husband you witness the dishonor in his eyes come carry your son back to the hovel that has become his home Mm
0: yeah then it cuts from there to back to sam and daniel where they see them putting the symbiotes into like a weird thing i tank, a tank thing. thing and that's pretty much it like that's all we see in that scene right and we yeah. just watch them put it in and then walk away can i also just say okay maybe this i'm just behind again this may be a revelation that y'all already knew but i never realized the symbol on their forehead was a Goa'uld symbiote the apophis symbol yeah, it's a snake. It's a snake specifically a for snake. Apophis, huh? It's just a snake. Well, Apophis is like it's his. It's like his symbol. I know it's his symbol, but I I never realized it was like a thing. I thought it was just like a squiggle. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, like actually a thing. But then I saw the there's like a larger rendition of it above the symbiote tank in the temple. Uh-huh. And it's very clearly like I thought it was a symbiote, but or a snake, whatever. But I was like, Oh my
1: God, it's a thing. It's not just a squiggle. It's like an actual like there's a it's a it's a thing.
0: You're right. Yeah, it when it's bigger it does it is more obvious that it's a yeah. snake. Like yeah. there's like a head and a tail and yeah. got it. But yeah, that's pretty much it. They don't really they don't approach the temple at that point. No, they don't. And then it just cuts. they go back to a t- there's a tilt scene after this. The teal is that we find out that Ryak is sick, and so he has a rash, oh. and he's yes, that's what it was. Oh yeah, they get back, and Jack gives him the medicine, right? Jack diagnoses him with scarlet fever. Yeah, and gives him some medicine, but tells him that the I mean they might be able to help him more if they took him back to Earth, then they'd have better medicines for him. Yeah, or got the doctor through the stargate. Yeah. Uh, so Ryak wakes up, and he says that he knew that teal wasn't dead. It's a really kind of cute moment so and then and then we basically find out that drayok specifically had gotten him a symbiote in order to save his life because he was dying which puts a whole new spin on it and you know maybe tilt could have found that out before yelling at her and i was telling Melanie, i also find it very frustrating that tilt never says the words i'm sorry i find it absolutely infuriatingly frustrating but it became so noticeable but I was just like throwing pens at my TV like, say sorry, you bastard. You Why won't you say it? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I agree. Like, however, however noble his cause may be and however justified he may feel about it it hurt his loved ones and he can acknowledge, like he doesn't really even acknowledge or validate. You can, you can even do that without apologizing and be sincere about it, but you're right. He should apologize. And at the very least he should validate like, yeah, I put you in a shitty situation and that sucks. And you're doing the best that you can. He does kind of give her that at the end when he says that my son is lucky to have such a mother or whatever. It's one of those things where it's like, you, you apologizing for doing this, kind of shitty thing doesn't negate the overall good thing you're trying to do right yeah well and you can apologize to your loved ones for the negative effects it's had on them even if those aren't strictly like his fault like apophis is the one who ordered their house burned down and sent them out and i'm assuming he does feel badly about it he just doesn't ever vocalize that yeah yeah i agree it's it's frustrating he he should yeah come on teal So, so we go back to the temple church place where Sam and Daniel are going. And it's funny because in my notes, when they were, when they were watching them put them in, I was like, did they really just leave them out here in the open like that? And then we go back to the next scene and Sam's like, did they really just leave them out here in the open like that? And I was like, yeah, Sam. And, and Daniel's explanation. Thank you. I don't know how I just (laughs) forgot that word. (laughs) Daniel's explanation is that, uh, Nobody's going to be stealing symbiotes on Chulak, but I'm I'm not sure how. First of all, we later meet a group of people who is stealing symbiotes, right. and second of all, if there are people like outcasts who aren't going to be honored with the Primta, you'd think that they might try and steal a symbiote and become a Jaffa and have a more honored life or be better health or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe it's because everyone on Chulak believes that they're gods and you don't need to protect them because they're all too terrified of the gods to even consider it. Right. I mean, that, presumably that would, that would be the real reason, but it was still a little it weird to me that they would just... Well, it's a thin explanation. And then, like, what would it really have cost you? Like, Maybe I have a Jaffa. Just a priest walking around doing his priestly duties or some shit, like, nearby. Like... Uh It doesn't have to be an armed guard. Just throw someone out there to make sure the little baby golds are like, you know, alive. Yep. So they go over to the tank and they bust out their gold containment unit, aka a thermos Mm -hmm. (laughs) with a biohazard sticker on the side. Sticker on the side. (laughs) And Sam's like, "All right, let's do this." And we get this. (laughs) Great. One, two, three.
1: Okay, on four.
0: Four. I oh, really, really, really hate these things. <laughs> and That's I too, Sam. I it's another one of those moments where I love the Sam and Daniel interplay as well because she's like on three, it counts to three and he's like, Okay, on four. <laughs> it's so great uh, one thing I noticed, though, is, like, so she didn't jump, dim, like, props to her for doing this, because they're so gross. She, and we don't know exactly where they are in their maturity. If she doesn't grab it tightly enough, if it's going to, like, jump and try and go into her head, like, mm-hmm. it's not just gross, like, it could be dangerous. She dangerous. reaches and she grabs it, she stuffs it in the thermos, and then she dips the thermos back in to get and some liquid in it. And I was like, feel like you should have done that the other way around because what keeps the thing from just swimming right back out of the My thermos house. when she dips it back in slight slight um lack of planning there yeah but she was not stick her hand in a go all wood tank maybe she wasn't thinking yeah no, i mean i think it would have been <laughs> funny though if like she did it and it swam out she's like damn it <laughs> now to do it again so the so the next thing we get is then uh daniel wants to destroy the golds in their tank. And we get this line from Sam.
1: If we kill them when they're as vulnerable as they are right now, we'd be no better than the Gold. Let's go.
0: I didn't leave in him shoot it's just really loud. He shoots the thing he turns around and shoots it. I struggle a lot with this theme. Mostly because it's a good hot take from Sam. Mm -hmm. Like I appreciate that like I see what she's saying. I also see Daniel's rationale for shooting it he's got a good point Mm -hmm. then he does it with sam's gun Mm -hmm. then there's like no ramifications repercussions from it other than the churchy people come after them
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i just i struggled with the scene it felt like that that should have been like the cold open of another episode and the rest of the episode should have been a fallout from that or that should have happened earlier with more fallout
1: yes we don't do the bomb in
0: this show not just emotional fallout though but like that's a really big theme to like kind of just sprinkle and then not never never talk talk about it you're right you're right it is it is weird because it's like the morality of us versus the morality of our enemy and not stooping to their level and and whatnot you're right that it's really weird that it's just the one scene and then they don't talk about it ever Mm -hmm. again No, no never again And so I agree with you for sure about that. I am 100% on Daniel's side on this one because like, it's a weird, it's a weird position for Sam to take because we already know at this point about genetic memory. So we know that every one of those Goa'uld already has like all of the evil knowledge of the, of all of the Goa'uld. And we already know that, they have to have a host like so she's saying if we kill them now when they're vulnerable like this we're no better than them but if they're not vulnerable but like that the only time they're not vulnerable like that is when they're in a host doesn't matter whether they're infant or fully grown they're always just a snake unless they're in someone so the only way that you can kill a goelwood when they're not vulnerable is if they're in a host and that's so much worse and unless she's thinking like bird on the line with some like Wars hammer style technology in which there's a way that we could separate the goldwood from the host. Like, I think that Sam's point is well taken for like any other enemy. Yes. Like if it had been any other enemy, but this is a parasitic one. It's just like a it's also a weird hot take for Sam to have Mm-hmm. in the middle of like this episode i just i really wanted like i said i just really wanted this to be its own thing especially because daniel looks so angry when he does it
1: mm-hmm. like
0: i interpreted shanks as acting as like him looking at this tank angrily
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and sam kind of looks at him in shock and then just slowly takes the gun from him and, well he, he like gives it back to her yeah and it's It's just, and they never talk about it. Mm -hmm. They never address it. Does Sam tell Jack what happened? Like, I've got questions. Yep. I agree. It's it's a weird position for Sam to take. It's a weird moment to have here. It's just, yeah, it's kind of, it's strange. I I would like to see them address it more. And I mean, we do get little moments trying to maintain our morality and humanity throughout but it, I think one of the things they do with the Gwawuld is make that super easy because the Gwawuld are so terrible <laughs> that yeah. there's no stooping to their level because they're really just bad. So then we go to the forest where Teal'c, Braytak, Jack, Dreyak, and Rayak. This is a big big group now are heading to the stargate and Ryak is not doing well and Ryak says that he doesn't he no longer draws breath uh but then like when they cut to him later he's definitely still breathing i mean he is a child actor so presumably he's like either already dead or on death's door and so Teok makes the decision to give him his symbiote and jack tries to talk him out of it kind of which i
1: find that interesting that well, jack would character.
0: do something like that yeah. yeah but that's way out of character yeah, yeah okay. it is out of character for jack i pulled the lip.
1: Yo, you want to think about this you can't live for more than a couple of hours without that thing it is a father's right
0: What? So- I just, it isn't... Yeah, I like that we get Braytac saying it's a father's right, and it's a... I just want to be like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I like... Like, Jack wouldn't give his life in an instant to bring his son back. Like, mm-hmm. the the fact that Teal even has the opportunity to do that, to be like, I'm going to exchange my life for my son's life, which is what he's doing, is like, you'd think that Jack would just think that he's so lucky, and mm-hmm. that it's... Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I just... and. So you were talking about the Sam scene just a second ago about how that bothered you. That this this scene, I don't it irks me because like like it's not something Jack would do. Jack, it's just. I think we're putting our finger on what bothers us about this episode. There's a couple of very out of character moments for us. So there's Teal'c being physically aggressive with his wife. Then there's Sam making an argument that doesn't really fit with like a Sam mentality and then it getting dropped. We get Daniel being like needlessly violent and then never addressing it again. And then we get Jack being like, are you sure you want to save your son's life? Like, yeah, it- I could almost feel like Jack, like not obviously he doesn't want to lose his friend. Right. And just like, hey, like you want to think about it? Maybe there's another way before we leap to this. But it should have come across more like, I don't want to see both of you dead. Like, let's think about it that way or something like that. Or like, I understand the fact that Tech has to turn to Jack and be like, it's a father's right. It's just like. Yeah. Well, and because the kid is already dead, like Jack had already offered the other solution, which was let's get him back to Earth and we can probably save him. But now the kid's not breathing. This is it. Right. Like. Yeah that this is his option. And so for Jack to be like, let's take a minute and think about it. Like <laughs> that's not, that's not in Jack's character either. Jack isn't the, let's take a minute and think about it. He's the like, do it, fix it right, right now. And so Tilt gives Ryak his symbiote. Okay. Here's my question. So Goal would have the genetic memories. Mm-hmm. So the Goal would have all the memories of the Goal before them. Mm-hmm. At least the ones in their bloodline, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. So then does the Goal not, are they not aware of what's happening while they're in a host body. We know that there must be, I don't know, there's some awareness. I think at least based on the episode with the fake Tok'ra guy with Tilk's girlfriend. Right. Where she says that she communicated with it. Like, I, But I don't know how much awareness there is. There is. I guess I was just thinking, like, you just dumped that go all been with you, Tilk, while you've been, like, at the SGC talking about top secret shit. You know, the stuff that Camel was concerned about. And you're just dropping this Goa'uld into Ryak. And I understand why. But, like, while he was doing it, I was like, I wonder if that... Because, like, that's a sentient being. Right. I wonder if that Goa'uld is like, I'm just going to go travel into a new body. And... Because they don't switch symbiotes back. Nope, they don't. So, that symbiote, which has presumably and potentially all the information Teal's learned in the eight months of him being at the SGC now chilling Ryok's body. That's a really good question, and I don't think we ever really get an answer for that. I think we assume that they don't know everything that's going on around them. Otherwise, that would be just like a massive. You'd think that'd be one of the first things they asked Teal'c, right? Like when they found yeah. out he had a symbiote in him, was like, "All right, how much of that of of this is that thing aware of?" But which da- I can't think of it ever being explicitly stated, because the closest we get is the episode. Where the Jaffa woman thinks that she has converted her symbiote, and and we know that 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 symbiote, that that Goa'uld at least knew uh, knew that he was like commun communicating with her, but we don't get any suggestion of him knowing what was happening on outside of her. Like she communed with it, like had communication with her Goa'uld, but we don't get any indication that it was paying attention to life outside of her pouch. thats It's a good question. Yeah. That was my only thought as it was happening, and how fucking disgusting it was that we got another close-up of Teal coaxing this thing out of his stomach. I thought it was so also so tragic that Teal had to be the one to enslave his son in order to save him. Yeah. And we get this moment that I actually so I agreed with you for a lot of this episode about not loving Christopher Judge's acting, but I thought it was pretty great right here.
1: I'm sorry, I son. I just, I almost do this to you. But I do it
0: save it's really heartbreaking yeah so then we <laughs> i the what I think is a pretty hilarious random moment of like so then Sam and daniel are like walking through the I forest like and you. daniel's just gnawing on a power <laughs> and he's like and this right after he shot up all the gold and seemed a little <laughs> bit conflicted about and now he's just like Mass murder th- makes you hungry. Chomping on a chomping on a power bar, and he's like, "Do we need to feed this thing?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
0: <laughs> such a random it's moment. A good
1: question: Do we need to feed
0: this it, thing? It is a good question. Um, and then there's a staff blast, and a chase. A chase begins. So he and Sam are running. They hide behind a giant tree, and Sam throws a very perfectly thrown grenade that takes out all of their pursuers mm-hmm. Sam Sam yeah. must have aced her grenade throwing section of She's training basic, you know little she, little she, she aced the grenade throwing she aced the shooting the sharp shooting
1: it's
0: good Sam I mean it is a thing I can tell you because when my so then sort of boyfriend was doing basic he talked about how like he's got ace marksmanship but that he'd missed that one of his grenades hadn't been perfectly placed so he didn't get like perfect grenade scores but because grenades it is kind of an art because you got to get the perfect spot to throw it, but the timing has to be right because it's on a delay right. and so sam's apparently very good at it i also just like that she was like combat sam like mm-hmm. she was like directing dan's like duck your head take cover i got this like even though like dan pulled out his gun like Everything is over. He's got a hand, um, a pistol in his hand mm-hmm. at the end of the scene. But Sam's like, I got this. Yeah, grenade. Like, she's in charge and she's she's got it under control. Yep. So I then, like seeing Sam combat. Yeah, it's it's always great. So then we cut back to Jack and he's like on the radio with Sam, which is like, hey, they're separated and they're communicating with each other. I think that's the first time we've ever seen that happen. <laughs> Good job, that's team. Gross. So, Ryak is improving, and Teal'c is not so much doing well, uh, and Teal'c is all ready to read his last will to Braytac, and and Jack fills Sam and Daniel in on what's happening <laughs> this great moment.
1: Joke's kid was too sick to make it to the Stargate, so he gave him his own gold to keep him alive. Uh, we have one. <laughs> What? We were gonna take it back with us, but. Praise the stars, we must We found what looks like a monastery. You dare steal from the sepulcher of the temple? It's well, So what? Is he gonna help him?
0: Mostly I just love the, like, especially Daniel, says like, we have one. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's kind of like gold a hot potato. It's like, alright, everyone, do the musical, go out a little cherry, we're gonna switch it around. And the music stops. whatever gold you have is the one you keep. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I love that, uh, that Daniel's like, we have one in his immediate react. They're like, well, give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Teal has already like completely betrayed Apophis. He's joined these earth people. He gave his son his symbiote, which I assume is probably, you're not, I don't know. Maybe oh, it is. Bretech did say it's a father's right. Maybe that is part of their culture. Like the father can make that decision, but. But then when they're like, hey, we stole this, we found this symbiote, we stole it from a temple, and they're like, that's sacrifice! And yeah, like, Ritak draws a weird line, <laughs> which is, like, Ritak doesn't believe in the gold as, like, a as a religious figure. Right, and he's he gets, the one who taught Teal. Yeah. Yeah. It's one thing but for Drake. Yeah. But maybe, what your doesn't know that? And maybe he's trying to keep up the facade that he no? All right, cool, thank you. The facade for who? For if she doesn't know that he's like, mm, but she I'm knows that a... Teo is, so I was saying that she knows that Brayjack is. So yes. Yeah. Or it would have been funnier if that was the case. If if Dreak was the one who was like, it's sacrilege, and then Brayjack like, looked at her like, yeah, it's sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a kind of a it's kind of a nothing. weird moment. But so then well, they have an. Is. Guys, this episode is so all over the place in terms of characterization that nothing right. feels normal about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's why we don't like it I'm yeah. glad
0: well I'm glad we that we figured it out that and why we don't like it. yeah so then they they talk about how this one is too young it's not ready to be implanted yet so we'll see how it goes and uh they put they give it to Teal'c. and for some reason it struck me in this scene and I don't think we've talked about it yet this is not like a new observation but tilk's makeup have we talked about tilk's makeup yet i feel we haven't talked about it but let's because it gets it changes over the season yeah so this was a real good close-up on his face and i was like man that boy with his his eyebrows and his man his eyeshadow is on point there are some episodes where like because there's a season where his eyebrows get plucked so thin uh-huh. it's just like are he drawn on yeah and then his eyeshadow is so dark like he looks like he's entering like a drag area of <laughs> and then they pull it back. That's like one, I don't know what season it is. But yes, yeah, no, he totally wears makeup. He, he rocks it though. Well, and so he wears like, he has like gold sparkly makeup on his face yeah. and his eyebrows are definitely plucked. Yes. And, and then he always has like eyeliner and eyeshadow. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. Like nobody, it's never really talked about. It just is, but it's not like it's a part of his face it's very clearly makeup and i don't know i would love to i would have actually loved to see a scene where like one of the marines or air force guys is like gives him crap about it or like they walk in on Tilk applying yes get your face on we'll talk to you in a second (laughs) or like sam or janet bringing him makeup that they've bought for him (laughs) because the guys were useless and like he tried to send jack or daniel to buy him some supplies outside of the base before he's really allowed to leave and they were useless at buying him makeup so he has to enlist sam and janet to go buy it for him, (laughs) and they like teach him all about the earth brands of makeup and stuff i'm trying to find if in this companion they talk about the decision or like why like the casting the decision to like put the um the makeup on him But i don't see anything other than he's got a very interesting thing back here but i don't see anything about the makeup yeah i mean the only thing i know is that they were pretty specific about wanting teal to have his teal look up until season nine when he came back with hair and didn't have like they start scaling it back and i think a lot of that was christopher judge was like this dude's been on earth for years now like he no longer believes like he's so far separated from his culture that it would make sense for him to start dialing back on some of those rituals that are from his old life okay this is not related at all but as i was looking for the companion to find about the information there's a list of what each character brings along with them when they travel through the gate and it's It's listed as a personnel's personal preferences, which are non-essential, but nice to have long items. Jack's item is the fishing pole. No fish required. It's the fishing that counts. (laughs) Carter, zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance, simpler than building a (laughs) DHD. Jackson, tissues, much better than wiping hands on clothes. And Tilk brings candles, the better to facilitate getting in touch with your true self. Interesting. That's funny. I really enjoyed that Sam brought Zen, the Art of Motorcycle Maiden. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Getting back to the actual episode, uh, the Jaffa, some Jaffa stumble across the dead bodies that Sam left behind and they sound the alarm with their oh, horn. Sorry, I just found the makeup stuff. Oh, cool. Okay, so this is in uh, the um, Stargate Companion. Is this the season this is, one one? Yeah, this is season one and two. And this is Jan Newman, who is the makeup person on set. And so she, first of all, is complaining that um, Christopher Judge is so rambunctious that it's really challenging to keep his makeup in place. <laughs> it's constantly just falling off and he's always active. Okay, so they said, originally, Tilk was supposed to look more like a stylized version of an Egyptian. He started out with long, droopy, prosthetic ears and had a long, braided beard like the depictions of the pharaohs. He would have looked spectacular and it was a wonderful concept. But when I saw it, I just groaned because I thought about how difficult it would be to keep that look on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis. And then Newman said that it was uh, Wright and Glasner's decision to go with the present look, which was with the more stylized Egyptian look, the makeup, basically. And it was the best decision that they ever made. That's it. That's all they, that's all they wrote. Right. Well, that's seasons one and two, right? Maybe there's yeah. information more. about it later on. Yeah. We can get there. We will. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I liked it. I, it's nice to know that the Egyptian is what they were going for.
1: Yeah.
0: Which makes sense with the kind of like darkened eyes and like the. The gold. The gold. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. So then the Jaffa stumble across the bodies that Sam left behind. And they sound the alarm with their ram's horn. hmm And most of the Jaffa run away from the gate, which actually seems pretty fortuitous. Like that worked yeah. out. and. Teal'c takes a break. So this is where... This is what I, I don't understand. Why did we decide right now, at this point, to not bring Ryak and Dreyak with them? I... We didn't see that... So I, s- I think it gets explained, I'm almost 90% sure, in the next episode we have with them. Um, And basically, it's because there's no life for them. They can't leave the base. So they they would be trapped on the SGC, or in the SGC. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to leave. And I think... I th- they explain it later, but they just don't explain it here. That's interesting, though, because it se- like it seemed like, you know, they were living in a hovel or he's exposed to disease and stuff. Like, I guess that's a really unfortunate decision to have to make of either your wife and kid have to live in poverty, object poverty, or functionally live in captivity. Yeah. This is rough. Yeah. I guess I don't blame Dreyok for marrying another first prime or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they we don't really see them make that decision, but then suddenly they're he's yeah. leaving Ryak and Dreyak behind, and so he says goodbye while the team is sort of heading to the Stargate still. And I like that he gives them an out, and you know says to kind of protect them to say that like oh just tell them that I I kidnapped you like yeah. so you don't that I killed the priest. yeah and that I killed the priest and it was all me. Jack tries to take charge again and Braytek. Overrules him. Yep, and then the plan that Braytak comes up with is an oldie but a goodie—the rebel prisoners' trick. Mm -hmm. Ah, I'm supposed to deliver these prisoners. (laughs) (laughs) Which this this moment made me laugh so much too because they're standing on the hill looking down at the Stargate, and then they like turn and like, "Here's what we're gonna do, guys." And they're like, "Here, you put your gun away. You do that, like." (laughs) And, and I'm like, they could, they, if they turned, they could see you standing up on the hill, putting yourselves in order for this moment. And it's not the first time on this show where these trained military people absolutely, including, like, this is all of them, Braytac and Teal concluded, one of the core things you learn in, in military tactics is, like, sight and eye line and line of sight and... You never, ever want to silhouette yourself on the top of a hill. Like, you don't stand on top of a hill when the enemy could possibly see you. Because it's like, especially if the sun's behind you, then you're just, like, super easy to spot. And the number of times that SG-1 just, like, stands on top of hills and I'm like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) But yeah, so then he takes them up and the priest is not having it. He So basically the priest is like, no, no, you got to wait. For them to come back, and and, and is like, okay, cool, then we'll wait. And then he just kills everybody. It was pretty oh. badass. It is. My question is, do we ever see anyone do that rapid fire staff again? Yeah, we were on the same page on this episode, Chelsea. I also <laughs> had the same question where I was like, where was this function? This <laughs> is like we used like, the right bumper instead of like, the right trigger. <laughs> and it's like an extra function on your gun that you didn't know you had. Yeah. So this is like... Sam not knowing that she had the like different clicks on the P90 that go from a yeah. single shot to to multi. Yeah. It's just, it, it, we never see another Jafat ever because he, it's like basically constant stream and he makes like a line of fire with his staff mm-hmm. weapon. I was like, well, where's this feature been? Maybe Teal- he's tinkering with his like staff weapon in secret and mm-hmm. like there's, an, that's not a euphemism. And he's found some sort of new, uh, and he's found some sort of new way to, like, rewire everything. Maybe. That would be actually kind of cool. He's, like, retired Master Jephah. He just sits around yeah. tinkering with his staff
1: weapon. <laughs> yeah, I <did. laughs>
0: It has been, it's been a while since we did a proper dick joke. Uh, yeah, so Braytac kicks some ass. And... Then they, they even kind of mention it, they're like, How are you gonna stick around? Yeah. How the hell does Braytek convince Apophis after this that he's loyal enough to end up like on his ship with him at the end of this season? <laughs> he just killed oh, a I bunch do. of the blasted SG1 kids. <laughs> yeah, well especially because they don't ki- he doesn't kill the priest. Right. So, I mean, maybe, maybe what happens is SG1 leaves and then he kills them. No, no, no. They're definitely going to be alive. Yeah, I'll take care of them. They'll wake up and I'll, but I'll figure it out. And then they leave and he's like, all right, they're dead. I'll blame (laughs) it on you guys. (laughs) Braytack is cold blooded. I mean, probably. Mm -hmm. Then they give Braytack a little salute before they leave. Mm -hmm. And we meet, I mean, we do meet one of the few, like one of our important allies here, Braytack the episode? That's it. That's the episode. Yep. Guys, we did it. Another one in the book. Let's finish this thing. Mel, you wanna go first?
1: Sure. Um, I'll give it like a three, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty solid
0: episode. Um, I'm just not particularly fond of it. For the reasons that we've already found out we've put our finger on why I didn't like it, is because it seems that some care like all the characters have some sort of bot where they're like out of character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do like that we meet Braytak and I like Bray interactions with Tilk and Jack. Yeah. It's the I didn't have much to say about this whole episode y'all were the ones that were talking the whole time and I was like okay, I just don't have anything to say <laughs> that's cool so you're gonna like shine next week with fire and water my favorite?
1: it's not my
0: favorite well, it's, just got me, one. Like, it's the one that got you into it yeah uh, Chelsea? Yeah, I, I'll give it a 3 as well for all the reasons we already stated and that Mel stated and just that like the more I think about this episode so many times in my notes I was like but why this and how this and how come this? Like there were just so many things that apart from all the out of character stuff, there were things that just didn't make sense to me in the context of this story. I mean, and I mentioned most of them so many times I was like, why are we doing this? Why did this happen? And, and so I just felt like, even though there are a bunch of little moments that I like in this episode, it just doesn't feel cohesive. And there's so much kind of, Hand waving like, oh, perfect. Sam and Daniel have a have a goall mm. that they can give to Teal'c, and like, oh, Braytak can just kill all of the guards, and he'll be fine and never have to worry about convincing people. There's just a lot of hand waving, and yeah. it really detracts from the stuff that I do like about the episode, which is I love Braytak. I I actually really like Drayak, I'm not crazy about her. Interacted her relationship with Tip, but I like her. I thought Ryak was pretty cute in this episode, but yeah, no, just not my favorite, not one I generally want to watch again. So, Mm-mm. three, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I was way between like a three and a four because, like, at first I was on a four because while I don't love this episode, it's not a bad episode, like, there's nothing so terribly offensive about it that it's not like brief candle where it makes me want to like jump out the window and (laughs) not ever watch ever again Um, but like the more I like rewatched and was actually like really paying attention the things that made me go eek and yikes and no thank you really outweighed the things that I liked which were fairly minimal like how hot Jack looked and uh banter that kind of thing how cute Sam was being ultimately the thing that pushed me towards like a two and a half for me is the characterizations just being way the fuck out of whack. And I really can't forgive that hair pulling scene yeah. sheerly out of the way. And made you feel like my whole stomach just like clenched. And I have no desire to feel that way again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look like a two and a half, maybe a generous three, but definitely not. No good. Air medal like award. Bray Tech? Yeah. 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 Bray protect. Yeah, I would say Britek, or I'm gonna give it to Sam for sticking her hand into a vat of Views. Yeah, I or mean that was Brayock for like doing what a mama bear's got to do to like get her kids fixed. It certainly sure as fuck is not deal. We can <laughs> give it to all three of them. Yeah, let's give it to all three of them. It's all of them. Okay. We make our own rules here. I mean, it is something we invented, so <laughs> uh, it is our podcast, guys. Do whatever we want. It is. Okay, so that was uh, Bloodlines. Next week is Fire and Water. I believe Andrea is joining us, right? That's the plan. Yeah, so my best friend is coming to visit me next week. And she week. has never seen an episode of Stargate? She has seen the first four episodes and failed, <laughs> somewhat understandably. Which is uh-huh. fair. Yeah, I don't think she'll have watched more. She's, she and I will watch Fire and Water together, and then we'll talk about it. So, so that'll be fun. Excellent. By the time you are hearing this, we'll have been to the convention and met Amanda Tapping, and we're also going to be doing a special episode with the guys from Walking Through the Stargate, so we'll have those up for you as soon as we can, our our conversation with, with those guys, as well as our recap of the con and our experiences, and so we're looking forward to sharing that with you guys and to experiencing it ourselves. Uh, if you, uh, love bloodlines, you have no idea what the hell we're talking about, and we're just so dumb and wrong, and you gotta tell us how wrong we are, you can't stop yourself, you can email us at chevronblock7 at gmail.com, or tweet at us, um, at chevronblock7. You can also find me on Twitter at Prof. or on Tumblr at Professor You can find me on Twitter at Melanie Martian, M-A-R-S-H-A-N, or you can find me on Tumblr
1: at my stupid Flyboy.
0: you can find me Chelsea on Twitter at Cahes or on Tumblr at pianosa 2 to the fighting Eat.